feels so good to be back in front of this microphone. Hello folks, my name is Ryan, and welcome to an episode of Video Game Mythos. I would like to sincerely apologize for missing any expectations of our commitments over the past few months during the coronavirus pandemic. Because of all of the extraordinary times that we're all in, we are thankful to be in this together with you. I hope that you and your families stay happy and healthy throughout these hard times. As we've locked ourselves in our homes, there's been not much else to do other than play video games, so I have a bunch of lore lined up for you to enjoy over the coming months of Video Game Mythos episodes. So today on Video Game Mythos, I'm going to have a prelogue of a game that I played through quarantine, Red Faction. Originally released in May of 2001, it's amazing to look at the timeline around what games were releasing about this time. This was before the original Halo. Red Faction was really setting technological standards for the time, with a destructible sandbox physics engine that allowed you to use explosive devices to blast holes through walls to tunnel and bore. It was an amazing technological advancement in the video gaming industry. But not only from a video game and functionality perspective, Red Faction set new standards for storytelling. And while it's not known for it, it does a great job of setting that standard. And with that point, I would like to welcome you to Red Faction. I can't believe how stupid I was. Yeah, come to Mars, help make a new world. How could I have even believed that crap? I remember laughing at that stuff with my friends. We'd drive up to Chicago and do the big city. We could always tell we were in the wrong parts of town when we started seeing prop-up balloons floating over the streets, blaring out corporate BS. You'd hear these incredible lies from the Army, the Mercenary Corporations, PDNC, and even the Altor Corporation. All the big orgs wanted to pump these warm bodies into bad places. You wondered who'd buy those lines and sign up. Now I know. Jake, you could see doing it. He had signed up from the Navy right out of high school. He had no choice, really. But when you barely make it out of high school and there aren't many jobs, you kind of just have to take what you can get. He's on a Navy cruiser out in the belt somewhere, last I heard. It's like the Wild West all over again, he says. Prospectors, claim jumpers, company goon squads, you name it. Life is cheap out there and it's a seller's market. It's likely Jake will end up sucking vacuum before his tour's over. However, I always thought I was different. Better than most. Mom and dad, doctor, and Dr. Parker, if you please, had my life all scoped out. Private schools, tutors, prep school, Ivy League for undergrad, then grad school, and on to glittering career in academia. They had me running their little maze, lots of twists and turns, but only one way it could possibly end up. Who would have thought that their lab rats would be the only ones to reach the cheese? I just couldn't take it anymore, never being able to separate what I really wanted from what they'd trained me to not want. Not knowing where I began and they ended. No achievement was praiseworthy. When their acceptance letter from Harvard came, they took it like no big deal. Just another expected turn in the maze for this mindless rat to follow. I went nuts. I ripped up the letter and stormed out of the house, hardly able to see straight. I wanted to do something that wasn't another item to mark off of their progress chart. Signing up for Altor's mining operations on Mars sure fit that bill. I drove downtown, saw one of their recruiting offices, and it just clicked. It was like my brain was running on autopilot. I walked into the office, and it all went so smooth and so fast, the whole place was designed to ooze inside your head and let you know that Mama Altor is going to take very good care of you. 
thick, neutral carpeting, bland, gently curving walls, soft lighting, and a friendly helper to lead you through the whole process. If hell opened a tourism office downtown, they'd do it just like that. Maybe they already have. I was still in a daze, and when they took me to the shuttle and strapped me into a shallow indention in the floor, there were dozens of other new recruits in the passenger compartment, all cocooned into dents of their own. It was only after the shuttle took off for Mars that I finally snapped out of it. When freefall hit, I unbuckled and dodged floating globules of vomit people I realized don't properly chew their food, and made it to the door relatively unscathed. I opened it, but before I could step out of the room, the toughest looking guy I'd ever seen filled the doorway and told me to get back where he'd rip me a new one. I stepped back inside, he slammed and locked the door. Landing was another bad omen. Strapped into our dents, watching the puke blobs float around, wondering how many of them were going to land on you, hoping they hit the people on either side of you. The sounds and smells of planet fall were beyond description. It was a good introduction to life in the mines. We were herded out of the ship onto a new arrival processing area. I've got to hand it to Altor. They let you know your place in the food chain right away. We were shoved into a tile-floored chamber, told to strip and then fire-hosed from sprayers in the walls and ceiling. Naked bodies were flopping all over the floor around me. Once we were all properly soaked and sanitized, they issued us uniforms. Mine didn't fit right. No one's did. Someone tried to return his to get a different size, but he was beaten by the security guards and dragged away to the infirmary. The rest of us just huddled a little smaller and went where they told us to. The barracks are a nightmare. Narrow bunks are stacked in dank rooms, trash litters the floor, graffiti covers the wall. Every horror story I'd ever heard of worker barracks has come true to life. Turns out everyone shares a bunk with another miner. He sleeps while you work and you sleep while he works. The other eight hours? Well, I guess the bed lice get a bit of a rest. It's pretty gross, but you kind of get used to it. I don't even want to think about the trough urinals or the communal showers. Drugs spread like mold in the barracks. Because when it comes to drugs, it's really hard to not give up in this place. Tossing in the towel and paying for a few hours of oblivion really appeals to some. Giving up, that's not for me. But lots of people who arrived with me are already half brain dead. Altor's gotta know about it. Maybe they even get a cut. Zombied out workers don't complain as much, so I can see Altor kind of having a hand in it. The only good thing about the work is that it gets you out of the barracks. Those suits are hot as hell to spend eight-hour shifts in, though. To make it extra nice, three workers share each suit, once per shift. So the suit's sweaty, hot, and smelly immediately when you climb into it. And it's worse when you climb out. They spray them down between shifts, but it doesn't do much good. Once you're down in the mines, it's pure grunt work, smashing rock out of walls and trying to find a vein of noakite. It's pretty tough to begin with, let alone when your faceplate's all fogged up from the humidity inside your suit. These stupid bots ramming into you and they grab the chunks of ore. I'm surprised more miners don't go berserk during their shifts. I really don't know why Altor has human miners doing this. It's gotta be cheaper to have bots do it, and they certainly have enough bots. I've asked around, but no one knows. Most don't seem to want to think about it, maybe figuring they'd be out of jobs if Altor decided to use bots, or maybe they're just zoned out or discouraged to care. There's something soul-draining about doing a job that doesn't seem important. There's a cancer here, eating away at us, hollowing us out from the inside. It seems like everything that can go wrong around here does. 
Everyone's at the breaking point. Fights are erupting all the time. A guy got knifed yesterday in my barracks. The argument started over nothing, escalated into shouting and pushing, a blade then came out, and then a guy bled to death right on the floor. The guards didn't even investigate it. It seems to be happening a lot lately. We're scared and angry. It's not just the fights or the work or the living conditions. Something else is happening to us, beating us down. Miners are getting sick, not flu sick, but something worse. Every day, dozens of miners collapse, in the mines and in the barracks, without any warning. One minute they're fine, the next they're on the ground writhing in pain, or sometimes unconscious before they even hit the floor. And there's something wrong with their faces too, they seem puffy or stretched. Some say they've seen sick miners whose faces are bulging or pulsating. People call it the plague. Everyone's on the verge of panic. Altor denies there's any problem. First, they said that it was just the stress response of being part of weaker individuals. When everyone got done laughing and then screaming about that one, they came up with the new rationale. They now claim that it's a Martian virus infecting miners by some unknown means. That one scared people. Did Altor think we'd be assured to hear there's something in the air that's killing us? There were riots in a few of the barracks after hearing that. Altor claims they're doing everything they can to combat the virus. Their doctors and technicians are all over the barracks, and even some of them in the mines, giving everyone shots and pills. They say that their efforts are keeping the virus from killing a lot more. Lately, there have been pamphlets slapped on the barracks and cafeteria walls. They're calling for miners to go on strike against Altor, to refuse to work. Some of the flyers even urge us to attack the guards, to get back at them for all the years of mistreatment. No one knows who writes them. The pamphlets are signed EOS. Some say it's a name of a group. Some say it's the name of a woman who's trying to stir up the miners. The security guards tear down the pamphlets as soon as they see them, but the damage has already been done. Dozens of people read them. In a few hours, hundreds of miners are talking about the latest pamphlet. People are grumbling, glaring at the guards, openly muttering about a strike or worse. It, it's getting uglier every day. I don't know what to think or do. I just want to get out of here alive, somehow. Harvard is sounding better and better every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Video Game Mythos, and also thank you for sticking with us through these hard times. It is hard as individuals to do this, but it will be easier when we do it together. I would also like to give a moment of my time to give a special shout out to Michael Bonner. Like any good leader, during this pandemic, Michael has been lenient and forgiving while still maintaining a pragmatic vision for the future of Video Game Mythos. We're here for the long haul, and we hope that you'll stay with us. Send us an email or communicate with us on any of our social media platforms. Let us know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, and what we can do better. And through doing nothing other than sharing our love for the myths and stories behind video games, we can come together and alleviate some of our stress. And, you know, the doctors say that someone with less stress is more likely to have a healthy mindset. So if video game mythos helps reduce stress for you, then it's a healthy choice, part of every balanced breakfast. So on that note, I would like to thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos.